Yo, what is up, guys? Welcome back to Tag Team, Pokemon Trading Card Games Premier Podcasting Duo. My name is Riley Holbert, and I'm joined, as always, by my splendid, wonderful, fantastic friend, Mr. J.W. Crewall. J.W., how are you doing today? Doing okay, Riley. How are you? I am doing well. A little tired, but trudging along. <laughs> yeah, I feel that. I feel that. Today we had mock interviews. Oh, on the uh, in in the class, and so uh, there was this one. I just wanted to say it was really funny. Uh, this dude was like super chill. He had kind of a mullet thing going on, and he <laughs> had a Patagonia hat, and he was like not really wearing a button down, or maybe it was a button down with like short sleeves or something. Uh-huh. So like super chill. And he's like, "Yeah, bro, like we're here, we're gonna do this. Like let's have a good time, and, like learn about each other." And I was like, okay, this is going to be a really casual interview. And then um, he, you know, we're going along, we're going along. And I kind of am like, the conversation kind of transitions from like, okay, where do you see yourself in like five years? And like, why do you want to work in technology to like just random questions? And I thought at this point when it moved over to random questions, like the interview was over. And so he's like, what's your like what's your biggest accomplishment and i was like oh you know this is one thing that i did in music and yeah i didn't really answer it very well uh or i was just like yeah this this is my biggest accomplishment i didn't really say anything and then after the interview was the interview was over he's like oh yeah for that answer yeah you should have said something that tied it back uh into the interview (laughs) like in your love for technology i was like what the heck man i thought we were just chatting like i didn't know that this was a (laughs) test you definitely just you, you got me you hoodwinked me that's how they get you that's how they get you, man. You got to always be on guard with those recruiters. <laughs> it's true. It's true. So anything new in Wisconsin? Yeah, I mean, my project's going live this weekend. Um, so um, at 4 a.m. on Saturday, um, yep. it'll officially be up and running. So um, I'm doing 12-hour shifts every day from... Saturday to next Thursday, which will be very fun. Um, cool. But it's a very exciting time. You know, the stress is definitely um, kind of reached its peak amongst my peers. So yes. Definitely a lot of chaos going on, but um, it's an exciting time, and I'm I'm excited to kind of see it through. Um, and hopefully, yeah, right. I get a chance to work with a project in Ohio where I actually get to travel. That would be sick. Trying to come visit? Uh, well, yeah. I mean, this project was in Ohio, but um, obviously, I didn't get to. Where travel. Where would it be? Which part of Ohio? It's in Newark, so it's just in Columbus. Oh yeah. Okay, sweet. So what? Are we trying to do tag team like live on set in? Uh, well, how many weeks? Well, I won't be going on site. I'll just be working from here. Oh, you you did kind of say that, didn't you? <laughs> But I think my next project is also going to be in Ohio, but probably not Columbus itself. We'll see. Um, there's a couple of upcoming projects that I am potentially getting on. Gotcha. Okay. So how often do you travel? I mean, it's probably not too much, but I know um, that for some of the bigger projects, you like for like a regular have... project, I would travel about once a month. Um, okay. Uh, my role travels less frequently than other folks. Like other roles will travel like twice a month. 
Um, gotcha. But I think once a month is like about what I want to do in terms of like travel yeah. for work. Uh, you know, it, it gets you gets you out of the house, gets you doing something fun, interesting, in a different place. But um, you're not like always away from home either. Sure. Yeah. Gotcha. Cool. But nevertheless, life goes on, and it goes on in Pokemon too. So JW, we have reached almost the conclusion of Players Cup Three. I'm sure the listeners are tired of hearing about it at this point. Um, yeah. But I think we'll be happy to announce that both of us, um, unless something crazy happens in the next <laughs> few days, uh, yeah. have made it through into the next round. So that's right. Um, that's right. You know, you're clocking in at just a little bit over 100, right? 110 or so. Well, that was uh, yeah, that was last time. So I am at 126 now with okay. one key remaining. So okay, gotcha. Uh, top top 20 right now. In uh, there you go. So maybe we'll get one of those buys. Um, yeah so uh, maybe i mean that was kind of yeah i didn't really start thinking about that until i um you know started getting into that mid 110s and i was like oh okay maybe there's a chance i don't know where that cutoff is because they do award um those by like a one game by to the top performers but um, it's just you know, based on the number one, of no shows <laughs> yeah exactly exactly yeah. so you know it'd be nice to nice to get that and and certainly there will probably be a, a handful of no shows that um, just won't have time or won't want to do the next phase of the players cup yeah well, that's super cool i i was checking the rankings like yesterday and i when did you get those last couple of points i guess i didn't notice that you yeah no i point. mean i i was i was playing i played like two today uh just in my lunch break so gotcha. so i just was cleaning them up and i was like ah you know i probably won't have too much time tomorrow and um i probably won't play any on friday so go ahead and try to finish up a few while i have the time today Nice. And I'm sitting at 99. I have seven keys left. Um, I sadly ended up losing like two more tournaments to disconnects. So oh, no. I, I've in total tossed five keys, which oh my got really sad. Um, I felt cool. like I could have got a score comparable to yours if I, that didn't keep happening. But. Well, I, I will say though, Riley, we did play once. We did, and you won the coin flip. So. <laughs> And the uh, and the crushing hammer, the battle. You definitely the won hammer. the crushing hammer battle very hard. <laughs> <laughs> so that was unfortunate, but it was still a fun yeah. game. No, um, yeah, and you were a good sport about it. Yeah, so appreciate. Sure. Um, you know, at the end of the day, I think we're both really excited to go on in the next round of competition. Um, yeah. I will say, you know, there's a lot of hate being spread about this format. Um, I kind of, in, I don't know if it's like a format that's like in my top formats, but I don't mind like just playing a bunch of games of it. You know, sitting down, like slamming down Pikaron games. That's always just like a fun time. So yeah, I mean, there. I I mean, I'll just say like I still find that there's a lot of decision making. Um, but it's just you have less turns to make decisions. So that's you know I think where most of the issue comes in. Like the the game hasn't in in terms of turn by turn complexity. I don't think the game is any different from uh, certainly more recent formats. Like people uphold like 2018 as being this like incredible format, and like it was probably better than it is now. But I think on a turn by turn basis. Um, you're still looking at the same kind of decisions, I, I would say, that you did back then. Um, so, yeah, I, I think generally it's good format. Well, good format, <laughs> maybe that's subjective for sure. Uh, I, I think it's an acceptable format. Uh, just games are a little short. I think I think everyone kind of understands that. Yeah, and I think uh, I think really the shortness of the format is what's allowed a lot of these strategies that people don't like to become so prevalent. Um, 
like because games are so short things like crushing hammer have so much additional value uh, because yeah. when you're only getting three to four turns to attach for a turn removing <laughs> yeah. one of those is pretty big yeah no i mean gen- generally speaking yeah. like crushing hammer throughout its lifetime really hasn't been that impactful i mean i think back to um the first time that i played crushing hammer in a deck was when it could be reused multiple times with the slurpuff trump card engine you know and i think like that whole period in between then and now i don't think i ever really played crushing hammer maybe i'm thinking of a very obvious you know exclusion there but you're absolutely right with turns only you are with games only going a few turns you know three four five six turns getting rid of a couple energy really important right and it's and i think you hit that nail on the head like previously crushing hammer would be the kind of card that only really made sense in decks that could use it multiple times. So, like, your Ranguru decks, your Sableye yeah. decks, oh, uh, your sure. Trump Aranguru, card decks. Yeah, that, that's the obvious, um, obvious so, exclusion there. You know, the yeah. things that could continually take advantage of that Crushing Hammer, um, because it's, like, inherently an unreliable card. Um, <laughs> but in this current format, A, I think the card pool is kind of limited, which certainly plays a factor. Uh, and yep. then B... Uh, the games are so short that being able to remove an energy attachment for turn and i would also say like the attachment for turn is super important right now Um, it's very important there's a lot of like multi-attachment attackers and there's not like incredible ways to accelerate them (laughs) yeah Um, yeah there's there's very uh, yeah on on well no i wouldn't say unreliable because they're definitely very reliable but they're very maybe unorthodox ways a lot of times in the past you could uh you know do that uh energy acceleration and then also attack but now it's generally you're accelerating through the attack so you don't ever really have those um extremely explosive you know turns where you can energy excel and get the one shot right it's like gone are the days of the b strings and the max elixirs uh... yeah and the double colorless energy where you just slap things yeah. down and start going. And I think really that's one of the bigger differences is we don't have anything. Mad Party is an example, but really the format's dominated by multi-prize Pokemon. Um, and there's no like single attachment multi-prize Pokemon really running the format right now. Right. Absolutely. So, I mean, overall, JW, is there any like lessons learned from this Player's Cup as opposed to now, the previous one do you think you yeah and clearly the success is there yeah well i players cup 2 i just did not play very well and i was kind of upset about it to be honest with you um i just definitely knew i kind of threw you know i i threw at least a handful of keys like i knew that i didn't play my best like with every single key in players cup 2 so i was kind of promising that to myself like don't don't throw anything away um don't don't let one key go by that you're not, you know, trying to play as best as you can. And I mean, certainly it's very hard to keep that level of focus for every single game, but I certainly did a much better job and the results kind of speak for themselves. Um, I learned a lot about the format too, that I don't necessarily think I, um, yeah, that I would have learned, I guess, from just following others' opinions uh, Mm. for one. I would say that I, you know, matchup wise, I had very, very favorable matchups in um, in matchups that I otherwise thought were generally even or unfavorable. So, for instance, 
I was think I always thought that Send a Scorch was a generally even matchup for Picaron, but I found that to be not the case where I pretty much smoked most of the Send of Scorches that I you know came in contact with. And then ADP I also felt like was a pretty even matchup. But um after just running the numbers and, and seeing from Players Cup, like I was dominating ADP. Like in fact ADP was a matchup with Picaron that I wanted to face, as weird as that sounds. And then the other one that came as a little bit of a surprise to me, but again, like always trust the numbers, you know, go back to what the numbers say. There's a lot of, uh, in Pokemon, there's just not enough time to, um, you know, test every matchup in depth. But when you do play these matches on the ladder or with your friends testing for a big event, like try as much as you can to like write the stuff down. Cause then you get to look at the numbers. You get to say, oh, okay, here's like an objective measure. I played these games. I remember how they went. And, you know, okay, at the end of the day, here's the win-loss record. And so one matchup that I found was favorable that I had previously thought was like almost unwinnable or you had to get kind of lucky to win was a Luke Metal matchup. And I have found that to be pretty – I mean, is you know, I have something like a 60 or 70% win rate against – Lucario Melmetal. Now, how much of that is them not playing optimally? Um, hard to say. I, I wouldn't classify any of the games that I played against as like being obvious throws. I don't think anyone was very obviously misplaying. But, you know, just again, it goes to show for me like, oh, yes, writing this stuff down and, and really tracking the data. You know, I, I feel confident going into a Luke Metal matchup with Picaram. So that was just something I learned and, and something I thought was pretty interesting. And another. Another, I always say it to like the people that I coach, like write the stuff down. Um, it just is going to help you in the long run. Like you, you feel like certain things are bad, but maybe in reality they aren't. Yeah, for sure. And we've always talked about like the value of, of recording on the cast. And I think that it goes to show here. Um, I, I think my numbers largely agree with yours. Um, I found most matchups to be favorable. I, I personally have won a ridiculous amount of Pikaram mirrors. Yeah. <laughs> the only, yeah I've lost, I've played, I think, I, I didn't do like a calculation before this, but I've played around 20 Pikaram mirrors and I've lost two of them, one of them to you. Yo, that's, that's um, epic, dude. So, I don't know that's what's going on in the Pikaram mirror, but something's messed up. <laughs> <laughs> that match is really ridiculous. favorable for Pikaram. Um, yeah. And yeah, my numbers otherwise have been pretty much in line with yours. Um, yeah, I did. I've thrown five random keys at Lucario as well. Uh, yeah. Just when I'm kind of bored, um, Lucario Melmetal is like the ultimate. Like I don't really feel like paying attention deck. <laughs> like I just really. That's interesting that you say that because I feel like it's the most like of all the decks in current standard. That's the most that you I don't have know. to think. It's like you don't do a ton on the individual turns with the Caramel Metal, so it's like yeah, sure. I can sure. just. You know, I can attach and hit and Shepard Sword and then do something else and then come back and, like, and yeah. play it. Like, the turns themselves might be thoughtful and, like, the games might be longer, but it's, like, not a lot's happening either, so I can just kind of, like, zone out. Sure. That's funny. That's bad, but I did really well in my Lucario model games, so... That's awesome. <laughs> Decking out the Desi units of the Lucario model, that's always such a good feeling. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, um, what, uh, yeah, anything else that you kind of took away from this Players Cup? That uh, either I took was... away that AT&T has some issues, <laughs> for sure. Yes. Um, 
it's been kind of like that at my apartment for a while, but um, yeah, like it didn't happen much during Players Cup one too. So something something changed in the water out here. Um, outside of that, though, I mean, I think ultimately the message is the same one that I've kind of been saying for a while, and that's a uh, you know stick with what you know and what you like and. That's where you're going to find your success. I mean, I see all sorts of decks every different round of these events um, in the Players' Cup. Um, actually, one thing I observed that I'll just call out briefly is I've seen a lot more ADP the later we've gone into the Players' Cup. Yeah. I've barely yeah. seen any ADP. I, I said this last week. I barely saw any ADP up until um, like a couple of days ago when I started running into it like every round, basically. I think people now are like, I have to finish my games fast. So. <laughs> yeah, so like I want to know cannon. whether or not I win or lose um, my turn two. Yeah, that's kind of my head cannon. But um, yeah. you know, I've seen in I've seen in the finals pretty much every deck you could imagine um, that's in the meta game. So um, you know, play what works for you and play it well, and that's really I think yeah. going to be the key in this format. Like playing a deck really well that you enjoy is going to serve you better than um kind of not fully going in with a deck that maybe doesn't work as well even though it's like maybe a better deck sure sure yeah absolutely i'm not to say there aren't like tiers within the decks but clearly a lot of them can find success on the so right right so i mean overall it's been fun um 50 keys is a lot, but I enjoy like the Players' Cup experience. I enjoyed it for Players' Cup 2, and I enjoyed it for Players' Cup 3. Um, really, I think the hardest part is kind of like getting going. Um, once you hit like that groove, I feel like it's easy yeah. to finish them out. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah, it's been a great tournament. I'm happy with how things are finishing up. Um, I'm going to plan on doing a little bit of a write-up uh, over uh, on Twitter. So if you're interested in kind of hearing like fleshed out thoughts on the players cup then uh, definitely don't miss that but uh yeah let's move on to our next topic riley we've got some new cards that have been released i think the most exciting ones the bird trio we got some new bird trio cards that are uh that are going to come out galarian articuno galarian xanthos and galarian moltres v so why don't you talk about maybe a little bit about each of the cards and what's what's your favorite of the three yeah so Let's go. Just go down the line and briefly touch on the actual effects of these cards um, and their attacks and what they do. Um, so, Larian Articuno V has the Psychic Construct, and granted, this is all translated from Japanese, so this may not be 100% accurate to cards. Um, but Larian Articuno V has Psychic Construct. Uh, so once during your turn, you may discard two cards from your hand. If you do, draw one card. Um, and it has an attack psychic beam for psychic double colorless, does 110 damage and confusion. Um, Galarian Zapdos V is a fighting type with the fighting instinct ability. Uh, for each Pokemon V, attacks cost one colorless less. And then for fighting and triple colorless, it does Thunderclap Kick for 170 damage and discard special energy um, before doing damage. So, for example, weakness guard, it can pierce through that. Um, we'll talk about the obvious implications of that in a second. And. Then we have Galarian Moltres V with bolstered wings. Uh, so basically once per turn, you can do a dark patch onto Moltres. Um, and then it has Aura Burn for 190 damage to 30 recoil. Um, so starting from the top then with Articuno, I think Articuno is probably the most underwhelming of these cards, but I think it's still pretty cool. It's pretty well designed in my opinion. Um, yeah. 
like I think when I tweeted about how much I liked the the bird cards, one of the responses I got was, you know, what's really so appealing about Articuno? You know, it's pretty costly, and you draw one card. Um, kind of the counterpoint to that is, I think if it drew two cards, or if it was discard one, draw one, it would just be so so good, right? Like it's so just yeah, so easily so applicable. Um, I think this discard two, draw one might not see like immediate obvious play um it's a great bench through though especially in expanded where you can like propagate an egg or maybe two yeah and yeah exactly cards. expanded is absolutely where i look at articuno like shining you know it's just that extra draw i mean if you're gonna play as Arc deck or something like you, you might as well play this or if you play really any deck that has at least one egg i would say because uh like you mentioned you know discard one draw one would be really good so discard two but if you you know, discard and execute, they can just keep getting back. Like, that seems very strong. Yeah, it's a great bench sitter in any deck that plays an egg. Um, also, if you play Instructor Ranguru, this kind of pairs really well with it. So when you get those yeah. end to low situations, you know, if you get end to one, you will typically, you know, you'll draw your card per turn. You know, have two cards. Uh, so you can just discard both of those if they're not what you need. Draw one card and then draw more off of a Ranguru. So, you know, like, there's some actual, yeah. like, cool uses there, cool combos you can get going. Um I, so I like it. I think it's better and expanded than standard. Um, but I would be surprised if it never saw play in standard. Um, well, we get the uh, we get the cricket tune, and that kind of leads me. You're you're talking about a Ranguru and like the combos that you can have with other bench sitters, and so there is this new cricket tune, which is very reminiscent of another very good Ranguru um, <laughs> that could draw your hand, you know, up to three, or with the cricket tune, if it's active, it can draw up to four. But that is another kind of obvious use synergy there uh with the new cards that exactly. are coming out so yeah i mean i called out instruct and expand it is the same combo here yeah um, yeah exactly exactly so, so yeah i like articuno a lot i think it's again i think it's probably the most underwhelming of the three but it, by no means is it bad and i think it's well designed too i would have been i think i would have been unhappy if it was more powerful on the ability than it is now yeah i think yeah, I, I I think discard one, draw one would have been okay. Discard two, draw two might have gotten a little ridiculous because you could have, you know, four on your bench and then you're just getting a little insane. But um, as it stands, again, very balanced. And I think we're looking at, um, I mean, Pokemon has always kind of been about resources, but certainly now in the in the current standard, like I find that I'm generally wanting to hold on to resources and like accrue that big hand. So discarding two is often not uh, like you have to make some difficult decisions sometimes, especially in the early game. So interesting card, really cool. Can't wait to see how people use it. But uh, let's move on to the second bird. I think probably the one that is has the most obvious use, and that is Galarian Zapdos V. Yeah, so Zapdos uh, again that 170 damage and reducing the cost. Uh, obvious use case there is knocking out Eternatus. Uh, so Eternatus VMAX having that 340 health, uh, weak to yep. fighting, so the math is pretty much exact there, and they can't play a single weakness guard to get around it either, because Zapdos will knock it off before doing damage. Um, so like it, it seems like a very obvious, like this is the counter card to Eternatus. Yep. Um, and honestly, like I was trying to think, because uh, normally with cards like this, there's usually like some kind of reasonable way to play around it, like the the low punny and Jigglypuff. Um, yep. You know, you could keep your peak around down to a couple GXs and and be fine. Uh, I don't think Eternatus really has that same luxury, though. To be honest, like if you just have an Eternatus and a backup Eternatus and one Crobat, <laughs> then that's enough, right? So, right. Um, 
Yeah, it's pretty cool. I mean, it'll Eternus will probably be forced to play like Big Charm or something. Um, I mean, any deck that plays Fighting Energy or uh, Aurora Energy, I don't really see a reason not to play this. It's just such a good card. Um, and honestly, like 170 for even like two is pretty good against decks that just have like an Eldegoss and a Crobat on their bench. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a great point. Um, well, it wouldn't. Um... You know, be as impactful, obviously, against uh, non-fighting weak decks, but still, yeah, like you said, 170 for like one or two discard energy, like yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm just thinking, like, in terms of splashable attackers for fighting, yeah. have been like really yeah. bad recently. So, yeah, um, sure, for sure, for sure. So having like a a quick and easy like 170, maybe more, maybe less, is. I think still valuable for fighting decks in general outside of like the splashable tech. Yeah, definitely. Do you um do you think that Galarian Zapdos brings up any complications in terms of like power creep or anything like that? Because as we we're talking about it, like they they just printed a card that is going to pr- pretty much like end Eternatus in one attack, and it's just kind of funny to me thinking about their thought process with Eternatus being like, okay, we have this. You know, I, I don't know if Eternus is a legendary Pokemon, but this like you know is, ultra yeah. powerful Pokemon, and you know we want to really highlight it and give it this kind of prominent place in TCG. And then they just come along and are like, yeah, okay, that was fun. Uh, you know, Colossal didn't do enough. Let's let's make this <laughs> basic Pokemon that just one shots it. So, are there any kind of power creep issues that you feel um, are inherent behind a card like Zapdos that's just like a one card? exact counter to a major deck i mean i don't think zapdos is really the example of power creep we need to look at right like i think zashin is the ultimate power creep card um and then eternatus is also like a pretty power creepy kind of card um so i mean pokemon has historically had these kinds of counter cards um (laughs) maybe not for as cheap um or maybe it's not as simple to use, like, you know, a good example in years past. There are others, um, but you have stuff like the uh, like the Mewtwo against Buzzwole was kind of like a soft counter, um, but that required a choice ban in addition to energy attachment, usually. Um, right. So, but then you also had, like, the Mew EX, um, which kind of fills the same role, like, for one attachment for a two-prizer, you KO a prize Pokemon. Um, so I don't think it's like too power creepy, um, and in theory, Eternus can play around it. In practice, I don't think it will be able to. Um, but at the very least, you're giving up two prizes when when it gets KO'd, um, and you're dedicating an attachment to it. So um, you have to still scrounge up another Eternus knockout because, like, presumably, what the I guess the game flow here is that you know your Eternus V Max will knock something out if it's active. Right. Um, they are knocking you out with a Zapdos. So now you just need to take like one more knockout. So, um, right. So in theory, you know, I don't think it's going to be like too, too crazy, um, but yeah. it's a nice option for those decks that just need like a little more oomph to get through Eternatus. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think it's, uh, I, I think it's fair. Uh, generally, I, I feel like it may be, I mean, for Eternatus players, it's going to feel, uh, they're going to definitely feel it when this card comes out. Cause like you mentioned, it's just very splashable. And it's just like, yeah, that one card tech that it, you know, goodbye, um, to the whole archetype. So 
I, I generally don't like that. I wish there was like one more way for Eternatus to do something. Like maybe if the Zapdos didn't have that discard of special energy, um, or maybe if the Zapdos did like 10 less damage uh, or something like that. But I mean, it's very clear that they printed this with Eternatus in mind. And uh, this is the way that they want to take the game. And I'm not terribly mad about it. It's just... You know, I will say the fact thing. it also discards the special is like, dang, this is like on purpose for sure. <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely, definitely targeted aggression. <laughs> so very funny for sure. I mean, at the very least, I mean, I think Eternus has kind of choked out like some like two price decks and three price decks. So yeah, I um, mean, you know, hopefully yeah. Zapdos will give them more. Of well, a I mean, you look at, I mean, you know, when Galarian Zapdos comes out, you know, we're closer to a rotation as soon as ADP goes. Like this is kind of. We're seeing that they're introducing these very powerful V cards, two prizers, you know, taking maybe a little bit of the strength away from three prizers and hopefully creating more turns like we talked about earlier in the cast for decision making. So I think that's generally a good thing. So uh, that's Galarian Zapdos V. Let's talk a little bit about Galarian Moltres V, which I find pretty interesting as well. Yeah, so Moltres V is... Uh... I mean, the Dark Patch on an ability is obviously going to find some application somewhere. Um, I'm a little disappointed that you can only use one Bolstered Wings per turn, so you can only use one Moltres ability per turn. Um, didn't really feel like that seemed necessary to me, um, but um, it is what it is. Um, at the very least, it's a new tool for either dark box decks, so kind of like Weavile focused decks in standard. Um, and those have kind of like, they've crept around a little bit here and there. Um, so maybe maybe they'll focus more on Weavile and Moltres instead of like a Hydreigon kind of engine. Um, sure. Uh, it's also a great option for like Eternatus decks that use Weavile, um, getting around Crushing Hammer. I mean, this is like the counter to that that strategy so um, that's also really cool and then in expand it has the obvious application of being another splashable tech in a dark box to give them a free energy attachment uh, which they love so <laughs> yeah right absolutely absolutely i think you nailed it uh on all fronts glaring moltres one to watch out for i like it as kind of a uh an energy accelerant that isn't often attack i mean we talked about this earlier in the cast like uh, all the energy excel for the most part, is often attack, power excel, uh, boltons, electrify, you know, ADP alter create or um, ADP, uh, yeah, whatever that attack is called. I, <laughs> geez, Louise, it's like my brain is fried. Uh, but all these, you know, off the attacks, and so it's nice to have this kind of energy acceleration that you know we have metal saucer, I guess, right? Uh, we have frost moth, I guess, but just giving more decks more opportunities, um, and something that's a little less, um. You know, more more similar to that metal saucer type uh, acceleration, but can be used by a lot of different things. So I'm looking at things like Vikavolt. You know, maybe you get uh, Galarian Moltres in the discard, and then you bring it back, you get that dark energy, and you, you energy switch it. You know, that can be kind of cool. Or you do something like you, uh, with the new Slowbro, the Galarian <laughs> Slowbro, or Slow King that's coming out, you can do the same thing and do some st fun stuff there. So... I don't know, Galarian Moltres, I, I like them, and it, it's a little more splashable, obviously, than something like a Metal Saucer, which has to go onto a Metal Pokemon. I feel like this can kind of work with those colored and colorless energy attacks that some Pokemon have. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's a great 
big point you have like that energy switch combo to accelerate the the one colorless kind of attacks a little bit which is obviously valuable um yep that all said we'd be remiss to not talk about some of the other cards which were revealed i think pretty much the day after our cast last week so yeah i know um, it kind of stinks that we're that we missed a lot of these because they would have been great stuff to talk about last week but we got uh, some new cards here we got a blaziken v max which has a clutch attack does 60 for one energy I, I do like those low cost uh attacks on the v maxes and then a double cc attack max blaze 130 attach an energy card uh from your discard pile to up to two of your bench rapid strike pokemon i, I assume with that translation it means you know you can attach one to each of them uh, we have a very interesting card in the Inteleon, Riley. This Inteleon does 20 damage to one of your opponent's Pokemon, very reminiscent of the Decidueye GX that we had from a few formats ago. Um, any interest in this card uh, from your perspective? I do have interest in this card. And what I think is cool is, you know, you don't... Rapid Strike Pokemon don't have to evolve from Rapid Strike Pokemon. Yeah. Um, so I could easily see the Inteleon being like a splash in like stage two decks. Like you can use the Drizzile to get your rare candy for your other stage two and then just get out like their Rapid Strike Inteleon and start sniping like Decidueye. Um, yeah. I doubt that it will see a dedicated deck like Decidueye did. Um, a, because I think 20 damage isn't what it used to be. <laughs> and B, um, it doesn't really have the same like kind of support around it like Decidueye had... Um, either Ninetales GX or it had a Bioplume to kind of like lock your opponents down or snipe really heavily. There's not really that same thing for Inteleon. Um, yep. But I think the card is really cool. I think it'll find niche play. Um, and, you know, I got to give a shout out. Like all these Rapid Strike and Single Strike cards look super cool as well. And I'm always yeah, excited we for a good looking card. Yeah, we were talking about the art on the Sobble who's doing like a meditation thing under a waterfall. It's pretty... Uh... <laughs> pretty interesting but yeah i i I generally echo your sentiments where it's like i it's gonna be hard to see inteleon uh in its own deck on the same level that a decidueye was in the past just because decidueye had you know better attacks uh, relative to the hp at the time uh you know obviously the ability was better relative to the hp at the time uh and had a nice gx attack that could get it out of some pretty tricky situations but you look at the whole line um you know, it's very obvious to me that they are envisioning this card as being part of the metagame because they have, you know, the Sobble has a continuous call attack, a very nice setup attack for, for a basic. And, um, uh, you know, the Inteleon has like a double CC energy attack cost. So I, I think they're kind of envisioning this card having some of that utility, like you mentioned. And very important to bring up, yeah, it doesn't need to evolve from a Rapid Strike Pokemon. So that Drizzile, we could play uh the the search trainer out drizzile and it can still evolve into the rapid strike Inteleon. so very cool stuff from pokemon i'm very encouraged by this by this pokemon line in terms of the card design um coming down into the galarian slow king we mentioned this one earlier but i'm very intrigued by galarian <laughs> slow king v with the doom word it says the defending pokemon is knocked out at the end of your opponent's next turn so obviously there's that kind of caveat that you have to wait a whole turn for your opponent's pokemon to get knocked out but uh, there are certainly situations where that can be extremely powerful it's just the defending Pokemon is knocked out, so it could be a one prizer. It could be a VMAX. You know, it could be anything over on your opponent's <laughs> side of the field. And if they don't retreat or switch it out of the active, it's gone. 
What do you think about a card like Galarian Sloking V, Riley? Yeah, Doomward and similar attacks have never super impressed me, especially in this format in particular, where Switch is probably the highest it's been played in years. Um, <laughs> sure. Um, that said, it's still really cool. It also has a really interesting VMAX, <laughs> which goes all in on the poison strategy, uh, placing 12 damage counters per turn uh, yep. with max toxin. Um, and it's got that creepy Galarian Sloking look to it. Which, yeah, yeah, these are awesome. Kinda... I love these two cards because, I mean, you you look at again, like the card design is very encouraging to me. You have three attacks that are all like very usable in certain situations. You got the Galarian Sloking V's first attack, gonna draw you some cards, get that early game set up. You got the Doom Word that's gonna be pretty good, I think. Like generally most of the game but maybe in the late game you can get a reset stamp or something uh put your opponent in a kind of an awkward situation where they have to make weird decisions um yeah like you said maybe not the most playable just in the sense that there's a lot of switch out there and a lot of bird keeper and mallow and lana and scoop of net and things like that but still just like a usable attack can knock out anything i think that's always very valuable especially for two energy and then the vmax pretty powerful you got some poison stuff going on again the switches are going to be really important against a galarian sloking vmax deck but uh, if you can get that to stick maybe you get out a um you know something that augments poison damage uh something like the the uh the tox croak line then you know hey you're taking knockouts coming back into your turn which is always really uh, powerful love to take knockouts coming sure too. <laughs> <laughs> there also is the Beedrill line. Uh, Beedrill knocks out a Pokemon that has any special energy attached to it. Um, but I think the cards that have, drew, have really drummed up the most uh, hype or discussion, I guess you could say, uh, have been the trainers. In particular, the Echoing Horn card, Rapid Strike item. But it doesn't really have any relation to Rapid Strike in particular. Um, it's just a Rapid Strike item, so you can search it with Octillery, I guess. Um, yeah. And what it does is it puts a basic Pokemon from your opponent's discard pile onto their bench. So it's just target whistle, but rapid strike. Um, and so the implication of that, if you're listening, I think should be obvious. And that's that ADP can put a Dedenne or a Crobat back onto your bench and win the game without you even benching it. So, um, you know, playing around Mawile has now become more difficult than ever before yeah it's um, kind of absurd i mean i i think you probably just go into echoing horn instead of mawile and adp decks right like it seems like maybe a, a better option because you you know are almost forced to in this current state of the game to play those support pokemon so might as well just get it back from the discard pile yeah i mean mawile is like so good and i think the threat of it is also enough to force them to discard things um, right so i mean i mean even thinking of like the decidui kind of decks right where they'll try and like thin out the basics uh so you don't mawile them uh <laughs> you can just echoing horn them <laughs> instead yep. so uh, i mean the card seems really good um i'm curious to see like what kind of counts will make it into ADP and yeah. you know how it'll yeah. be used uh, because I, I like these single count items just aren't really going to do it in my opinion like yeah. you're going to need to play multiple of them yeah the the only real single count item that we currently have would be uh reset stamp 
you know, and, and most of the time you'll see it in a two count, but I will just say sans ADP. I don't really think that there's a deck that would want to play echoing horn target whistle was generally not that played like throughout pretty much its entire existence. You had some, you know, expanded shenanigans that you could do with it. And it's certainly like shown in the expanded format. But like you said, when you're not reusing the card, when you don't have other cards to really get it, back regularly then it becomes a little bit less uh, impactful on the game yeah i mean there might be some kind of stall strategy that uses it or sure. uh, something of the like but sure. echoing yeah, horns really of... screams adp when you look at it yeah it certainly does certainly does uh um, moving on to karen's conviction this is a supporter for again uh single strike uh, during your turn your single strike pokemon's attacks do 20 more damage from your opponent's active pokemon for each prize card your opponent has already taken so a potential to add another 100 damage on top of what you're already doing this is very reminiscent of another card from the past iris so yeah, iris think... ramped up for sure yeah it's very cool how do you think that this will factor in to the metagame do you like this card at all and do you like that they boosted that uh that damage uh doubly i think the damage definitely need to be increased for it to be viable from iris um and i also i would hate to see like supporters especially just get reprinted with a different name outside of those like draw three supporters um you know i like what they're doing now as well with like the the research author's orders in card yeah absolutely. i think i think karen's conviction is okay um i don't think it's like fantastic i think overall the single strike pokemon have just been kind of less have been more underwhelming rather than than the the rapid strike pokemon um i think the one hit ko kind of vibe they're going for is just not as easy as like the the really consistent vibe that the rapid strike is going for i will say though the one thing i like about karen's conviction is also the introduction of a new single strike item where the welcoming lantern so you get to retrieve a single strike supporter from your discard pile and put it in your hand um, so that lets cards like Karen's Conviction, where they might be a little more niche in their use, um, be, be, be a little more consistent, yeah. right? Like they get exactly. that you can use them multiple times, or if you discard it in the early game, you can use it in the late game. Um, yeah. So super cool. I I think the Welcoming Lantern, aka VS Seeker 2.0, is really the savior, savior of cards like Karen's Conviction. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree more there. And we have one last trainer. Uh, rapid Strike Brawly. Search your deck for up to three Rapid Strike basic Pokemon and put them on your bench. Important to note that, at least with this translation, doesn't say, you know, non-V Pokemon. Uh, so presumably, you know, you could get a bunch of V Pokemon, which, you know, is, is interesting. I mean, it only searches out those Rapid Strikes. So certainly a big help to those style decks. Yeah, and, and you, you continue to see that kind of theme where it's like the single strike is about having some crazy ballistic turn and the rapid strike is about having like consistent turns, a consistent yeah. setup and turns. Um, yeah. And I think you all should know which, which of those JW and I like more. So, <laughs> um, I mean, super cool overall. I, I think the single strike and rapid strike was a really cool idea. I'm going to be sad when it, when it inevitably gets dropped in like one set, but yeah, I know. This is going to fizzle out because I think there's a lot of cool um, like combos that they're obviously 
setting up, you know, pretty inherently. But uh, yeah, we'll have to see how this set goes down. I'm I'm certainly intrigued at the at the card design. I mean, just what we've talked about on the cast. Um, there's a lot of good things happening, and I hope they continue to make you know basics that have good attacks that evolve into evolutions that have good attacks or good abilities. And then I hope they continue to print these very, at the very least, intriguing options for items and supporters. Very well said. Um, yeah, so be on the lookout for um, our single and rapid strife battle styles set coming out here soon. It's going to be super fun. And the cards all look really, really cool. That's one thing that's consistent across all of these. Let's transition, yep. though, into a little bit of a blast from the past, uh, taking a look at our card of the day. Um, so for card of the day this week, it's Pokemon Week. You know, the, the big anniversary is coming up at the end of the week here, uh, the 25th anniversary of Pokemon. And with that, I wanted to call back a little bit. So this Pokemon Week especially, been a lot of, like, brewing hype around the Gen 4 remakes. N4 getting a lot of spotlight. Pokemon has been doing this thing for the last eight days, or I guess not the last, but the eight days leading up to Pokemon Day, where every day they've tweeted out um, like the starters from that generation. So on the eighth day, they tweeted out the Gen 8 starters, and seventh day, Gen 7, and so on. And the Gen 4 starters, first off, they started the tweet with Let's Go, which kind of like maybe implies they're doing a Let's Go game. But second sure. off, that tweet got so much interaction compared to the others, it was insane. <laughs> like, <laughs> so Gen 4 is really on people's minds right now. I was also a big uh, fan of Gen 4. That was like kind of my school bus game when I was in middle school. Um, yeah. So very fond memories of going underground and playing with my friends there. Um, yeah. So I wanted to pick a Gen 4 starter. Um, at first, I was thinking maybe on the fire side. Um, but the Gen 4 starter I settled on is one of my favorite Pokemon, actually. And this card is just so sick. <laughs> and it's Turtwig GL. <laughs> I love that card! <laughs> Everyone loves Turtwig. I feel like everybody loves oh. Turtwig GL. It's such a cool card. It's it, The art is dope. He's just so angry and ready to fight. And it's, so for the unaware, Turtwig GL is a gym leader Pokemon, so an SP Pokemon from the Diamond and Pearl era. Um, so it was a basic, but it was it didn't evolve. It was just Turtwig. So it had 90 HP, which is a lot more than you'd expect to have on a Turtwig. Um, and it had the overgrow ability, um, where if its HP depleted below 60, it did 30 more damage. And you'll see how that all ties together with its attack, Giga Drain, which does 30 damage. Um, which, on its own, maybe not too crazy, but after you attack, you get to heal Turtwig GL for the same amount of damage that you did. So the combo there is pretty obvious, where Turtwig will continue to like fall below 60, but then it does 60 damage, and it heals back up. Um, so it's just such a cool card. It saw some niche use in a bunch of decks. There were people who played their own dedicated Turtwig GL decks. Um, it's just, it's so awesome. And the art is just like all timer. That's like a amazing wow. Pokemon card. Yeah. Well, you know what? It's so funny. Cause I looked at that and I was like, huh, this looks like one of my favorite artists of all time. And turns out it is. So <laughs> uh, I, I was just looking at the artwork from, uh, from Kanako Io. And that's the artist that does this. And she does a bunch of heart gold, soul silver, 
uh, era. I mean, she did. A, she's doing a lot of cards. I I think it's a she, uh, but they're doing a lot of cards um, from from Harkold Soul Silver era, especially the supporters. So like the copycat supporter is her as well as this Turtwig. And <laughs> let's see, there's one other one. The twin supporter is also her. Yeah, I see and that. Yeah, there's some other thing. But the thing I love about her art style, and you'll notice it if you look at her Pokemon. Um, Pokemon cards, but generally speaking, they're all on a tilt. Go back through and go on the Pokemon website and look at her or their stuff. Sorry, I keep saying her, but look at their stuff and you'll see that they always put their Pokemon on this like slant. Well, it's not always, but it's like 70% of the Pokemon are on a slant. It just, <laughs> it's very interesting because as soon as I realized it, like I couldn't unsee it. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, and I also when I think of their art, I think of uh, like very bold lines, but with soft colors, yep. kind of. Yep. Um, and that Turtwig definitely has that going for it. Um, so a great card, great art, super fun to play, and but he's a big boy as well. Got three retreat costs, so they just show show some love for Turtwig. I love the Turtwig line. Um, honestly, I, I, this may come as controversial take but i think the piplup line is my least favorite of the gen 4 line boggers yeah i yeah i can't can't agree with that are you what's your least favorite then is it turtwig well it's like uh no because i i like turtwig but i think the the worst final evo has to be uh torterra i mean torterra is so cool okay well i agree to disagree He's got like a Zen garden on his back. Uh, yeah, kind of a weird thing though, if you think about it. No, it's cool. Yeah, okay, well, I agree to disagree. You got a fire monkey, that's pretty sweet. You got a penguin. Like I think penguins are pretty cool. I th- I think the Gen 4 starters overall were pretty cool. Um I I just have a fondness for the Turtwig line. I don't know. I think Inferno yeah. might be like my overall most favorite, but Turtwig in particular just rocks. <laughs> That's right. fair. Like Turtwig just is really cool. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely a cool one for sure. He does have one of the most underwhelming second stages though, in Grottle. Yeah, Grottle can Grottle can eat it, man. <laughs> Grottle's that's, not great. That's definitely a Pokemon that never needed to be made. Grottle is not great. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. I'm glad you uh, brought that card up because that also brings back great memories. I I used Turtwig a lot in my high school Pokemon uh card deck so that's very fun there you go so uh that's really all we had today so feel free to drop any questions in the chat here if you want us to address anything um so jw now that we've gotten more of a preview into battle styles is there anything that you're particularly excited to try out coming into battle styles like like for the for the meme potential i mean meme or dream I, I was thinking about the uh I was thinking about the Galarian's Slowbro V with that Doom that Doom attack. I just I always li- like trying to make that work because you know that there's gonna be some player that puts them into a like put themselves into a very bad spot where they don't find <laughs> a switch and then you doom word them and they just get knocked out and like that's their only attacker and then you just keep doom wording and like you just win the whole game and you don't actually do any damage. I just that's that's the dream, man. <laughs> I can tell you're very That's... excited about Doom Word. 
Bro, I am. Chill, 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 chill. <laughs> there have been attacks just like that before. I think it was Doom Count on Absol. Yeah, it was on an Absol, I think. But for some reason, I, f- I remember that being a little more expensive. Maybe it was still just two. but It was three. Uh, I, I was going to say, I thought it was three. So it made it a little harder to get out. Or no, Doom News was two, but you had to put the energy into your hand. Oh, that was it. Yeah, so it's not. It wasn't very reusable. Yeah. See, the thing about the Galarian Slow King is like you could potentially tank this boy. Like he could tank a hit, right? Like you could put a <laughs> Cape of Toughness or something on him, so you could at least try to get a couple of Doom Words off, which seems pretty reasonable to me. Like two Doom Doom Words per Slow King. I think you're. I think you're doing good things if you can do that. <laughs> oh, I think so too. So. We got. Wallace six nine six nine in chat asking any battle style stuff that has expanded potential. Uh, none of it's honestly jumped out too much to me for expanded in particular. Um, I wouldn't be surprised, I guess, if the Urshifu V Max saw some sort of expanded play, um, you know, like strong energy on the switching attack seems kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, that that would have been the the answer for me as well. None of these are really that um, strong in expanded, or they're like maybe effects that we've already seen in the, like there, a lot of these are kind of reprints of older cards that are currently in this expanded format. You know, I look at like Inteleon, right. As being like a classic example or like Karen's conviction, you know, something like that. Um, but those are already effects that we kind of have and yeah. they don't make that much of an impact currently. So probably not thinking that these will um, impact much in the expanded format, but you never know, you know, that's the cool thing about, Printing new cards is like, there's always the possibility. There always is the possibility. I agree. And I think I also am hearing that there's a possibility that you, listener, will be following us on our social media platforms. So if that is a possibility in your future, be sure to check out at Smiles with Riles, at Real John Walter, and at Tag Team Pokemon on Twitter. And leave a rate and review on your favorite podcasting platforms. Feed the algorithms for us. They're hungry. They are very hungry, and it does us a great service. I've been noticing a lot more um, a lot more people just following the cast. I, I send that shout out for the LinkedIn. And it was actually really cool to do that because I got to uh, interact a little bit with some of you guys um, <laughs> just messaging me. And, hey, like, hey, I listen to the cast, like, love your show and all that. And that's just really, I don't know, makes me feel good and like gives me more energy to, to keep going. So not that I was thinking about quitting, but like you get the idea. It just, it, you know, it makes you feel good. So thanks for reaching out guys and, uh, and continue to do so. Thank you all so much for listening. As always, we appreciate you and we will catch you all next week. Peace. See ya.